Young on no one that back calling me splurge. Let me jump right out the curb. Bet this fly like a bird. Spin on the first and the third. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis Get a Dose, and we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, 87737-GRIND. Um, all right, so uh, keeping it moving, but we've got Shelby, who's coming in, checking with us just now on Facebook Live. Uh, she says, hey, Cal, um... The majority owner of the Bears, Virginia Hollis McCaskey, is 101 years old. Gives me pause. How long Jerry Jones has left? Been reading a few stories that she may be looking to sell the team. Um, I haven't heard anything like that, Shelby. The only thing that I've heard in regards to the Chicago Bears over the last few years is the debate on you know property that's being offered for, to them to possibly build a new stadium, you know, I think, I, I don't know if it's closer to the suburbs of Chicago or more out that way. I haven't heard of just an outright uh, sell of the team. I would tell you, um, McCaskey, I, I don't know where the grandkids or, you know, where they go. And, you know, if you, you listen to this show long enough and you know how I feel about, you know, the, kids that the trust fund babies if they really have a passionate to run it or not but when you talk about the chicago bears um unless whether they're grandchildren whoever's in the family unless they really don't and they've had and maybe they whatever you're reading or these rumors maybe they if these are true maybe that they have already had these discussions unless they tell you that they don't want to have anything to do with being involved in the national football league and running this team after she passes Chicago Bears, I couldn't see them living not leaving that family. There's just certain friends, and, and when I, I I talk about the old money, I mean Chicago's old money in the NFL. You know, uh, Jerry's damn near old money in the NFL. But when you talk about Chicago, you talk about the Ford family, the Detroit Lions. That's old money. I, I just don't see in my lifetime those type of particular teams end up leaving out of the family and being sold out of the family unless. It is already predetermined that the grandkids, the kids, stepkids, cousins, nobody wants to have anything to do with running this professional team. Because keep in mind, I've told you this too. What I've read and what I've heard, it it's 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 work. I mean, people always think like, damn, I wish I could have the money to run a you know everyday team, a professional team. Uh it's work. Okay. Go ask Peter Holt Jr. That's why he wants no part of it. It's work. So I haven't heard those, Shelby, but I'll take your word for it. But I would be very surprised and shocked if a, a franchise like Chicago sells off uh, the family even after she passed. You know, George Hallis was died a year way back in the day, long and gone. Team kept going. You know, uh, Rooney, Art Rooney died. Son came up. He's getting older. Team kept going. I just, I, to, to me, I just, and trust me, all those 32 people that own are fortunate to own those teams, they look at those books every day and they look at the value and they get, they, they can read Forbes magazine just like us. And when they see these value to estimated teams, their franchise, it, you got to love it and you got to have a passion to turn that kind of money down. And that's the reason why, okay, the Bowen family 
had the Denver Broncos tied up in courts for a decade, it seemed like, wanting to know, we don't want to sell, dad wouldn't want it, we don't want it, we want to sell, dad wouldn't want us to, he would want to run the team. And that's when you get in messages like that. But trust me, every day, whether you're in the NBA, the NFL, you look at that and you understand how much those teams are valued. And depending on what your goal is for your family and your grandchildren and the people for you and your family to leave whatever for, it's very tempting. And I think a lot of these guys and gals, they make these decisions based off of like, look, man, I don't I don't want to have to deal with all the stuff that we have to deal with. The players, contracts and salaries. The dealing with their agents, dealing with the fan base, you know, having to keep up with, you know, winning, you know, if we're talking NBA, winning 50 games is just not good enough. Getting to the wild card game is not just good enough. We it, The pressures of that. There's a lot of things playing a factor, but I would be very surprised if a team like Chicago uh, sold off. Wouldn't be shocked because it, I mean, the, the, I mean, can you imagine the value of the Chicago Bears? Okay. It's not what the Cowboys are, but it's up there. You you sell that for about five seven billion. I was gonna say it's gotta be Broncos territory, or, or maybe and I maybe think it would be, it, it would be more than Denver. Uh, it would be more than the Broncos, uh, because again, that's the Bears, and that's uh, you know that's one of the oldest teams in the in, in the football in NFL. You know, prior to even the merger. So yeah, eight seven seven. 3-7 grind. All right, so let's see here. What else we got going NFL-wise? Okay, let's talk about this. So we talked about the Justin Fields situation. Well, NFL Films Mike's picked up Patrick Mahomes in celebration telling his wife, and I think Chris Jones was right there with him next to him. I know that looked like Chris Jones. I mean, I know we all look like that looked like Chris Jones to me. And the confetti's dropping and everything. And Patrick says, hey, man, this is before Patrick goes to the podium to talk to Nance, everything. He's like, hey, man, I want that three. I want the three, Pete. I want that three. And I heard about it, but the audio just came out. I just saw it this morning. Uh, When I actually saw it, it kind of made me think, and it hit me a little different. I started thinking, like, you know what? Maybe this guy is different than even Tom. Maybe he is different than anything we've seen. Because think, put that in perspective. Like, the season that they went through, okay, and the ups and downs of people saying, hey, man, this receiving core, it ain't no way they're going back. It ain't no way they're going to do this on the road. It ain't no way they can do it from the wild card position. And they use that emotion. And think about the energy it took to go through the season that Kansas City had to go through where they're not blowing teams out by three touchdowns, you know, every week, every other week. It's a grind. And in the midst of the confetti still dropping down, no victory parade yet, no talking to Nance, not to basically, you know, handing over the MVP trophy. But this guy turns to his significant other, his wife. Okay, and his teammate and says, I want three. And and what he also, no one's done that before. Ain't no one ever done that before. Maybe he is different because I've never seen anything like that. I, I will tell you this right now. I would be surprised to see if you could ever find audio of Michael Jordan fresh off of the confetti dropping and win another title, going in, crying on Father's Day or whatever the case may be in the locker room. 
and say, you know what, man, we got to keep this three P going. Now, when you get to the parades, everybody's drinking. Everybody guarantees we're running back, go back to back. Hell, Pat Riley coined the phase of three Pete at that time and during the course of a parade. That's that's usual. But on the field, like you ain't even they ain't even giving Patrick the T-shirt yet that says Super Bowl champions. Maybe he is different. You know, I I, I just I've never seen anything like that. Or heard anything like that. And the hats, and to me, let me tell you something, it ain't fake. It ain't sliding the first base. Like that lets you know he really was thinking about that. Now, on the other perspective, on the challenge is gonna be, and I thought before I go to Antonio Pierce's comments, you know, the thing about I will say that's interesting with Kansas City, because I think it's gonna be the opposite that I felt about them this year in regards to what the problems I thought going on. You know, you look up, all of a sudden, Travis Kelsey's and all these commercials with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, you know, give me one of them nuggies. All this kind of stuff. Everybody's got all this going on. And it came a perception of like, man, are they really still hungry? Are they still focused? And I said this all year, like, hey, I ain't worried about Andy and Patrick. It's the other dudes I feel like might be too San Ross team. The crazy thing is now with this whole 3 P talk, I think they're going to be more focused coming into this season than they were last season. Because of that wanting to be that first and no one's done that. Now, of course, the path of resistance should be harder. And if you listen to Antonio Pierce, I know we kind of brought this up, you know, coming in that Monday or Tuesday after the Super Bowl week when we got back. Uh, but, you know, Andy Reid sent Antonio Pierce a text saying, hey, first off, because first of all, this was a borderline troll text. You know, he was trying to say thank you, but he was being a smart ass because of the whole rivalry and Kansas City Raiders. But Andy Reid text Antonio Pierce, say, hey, man, this is a nice facility you got. We're using y'all's locker room, this and that. But by the way, man, I really appreciate that ass whooping that you gave with us uh, after Christmas, whenever the hell it was. You know, the last that that really let us know that, hey, the margin for victories and getting comfortable in this 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 league is slim. You get comfortable, you're done. Those are kind of the words he was using. Well, Antonio Pierce was on a, uh, I think he was doing an interview on a podcast, or maybe it was XM Radio. No, it was uh, his player, Max Crosby. Oh, Max Crosby. He, he was on his podcast. Yeah, so he was with Max Crosby. He's the one that really went. I feel like if he says he's threatened to trade him, if they don't hire him as coach, I think that's the least that Tony Pierce can do is go to his podcast. But he talked about how they have Patrick Mahomes rules. And, you know, back in the day, everybody knows that the Detroit Pistons had what they called Jordan rules. Chuck Daly had came up with Jordan rules, and that just stems like, hey, we're not giving any layups. We're, we're not giving him any dunks. We're putting them on his ass. And Jordan got his ass kicked for year after year for about three years until he got over the hump. And Antonio Pierce was talking about these Patrick Mahomes rules in regards to that, hey, we want to touch him up. We want to hit him every time that we get a chance to now within the rules and not getting a 15 yard unnecessary roughness penalty. But we really want to touch him up. And the one thing that he said, that study goes, we want to hate red. Like before they went and played that game, they're getting ready. Like we've got to hate the red. And he said, before we talk Super Bowl talk, we got to win this division. And what I will do is I will take my hat off and I would applaud Antonio Pierce. As a young rookie coach that's going to be a rookie head coach, a full-time intern's different than when you really get the job. This is his rookie year going into this thing. For one, he's done a heck of a job on the cool of you because I've been paying attention. I've had my eye to it. He's done a good job assembling the coaching staff on the cool. You know, they're bringing Skane Gagorillo in. They brought some other – he's got some veteran dudes that are coming in along with some young – he's he's building a staff – 
uh, around him. Very smart. But number two, I will take my hat off and applaud him is because there are some coaches um, that might not want to, quote unquote, as they say, poke the bear or basically sit there and acknowledge what is going on. Perfect example. You know, I'm down with Sean Payton. I, I, I have confidence, confidence in him that he's going to turn the organization around that he's employed by. But the reality is, is like now credit. He did say, hey, we don't want last year right when he took the job and it was Kansas City versus the Eagles. When he was still employed with Fox, he picked the Eagles. He said, hey, in our division, I just believe you don't want anybody to win in your division. You don't want anybody to do good in your division. Granted, he did say that. But on the other hand, if I'm being fair, when it came up to Kansas City and playing Kansas City the first time and going, it was all about, well, the 16th in a row or 15 in a row, that, that, that wasn't on us. That's not on here. That's not us. This is whatever. To me, it wasn't an embrace. I, I like the fact that Antonio Pierce is really embracing the fact like, no, man, we've got to hate red. And we are going to have a special set of rules to him when we play. Now, granted, this is out there for public consumption now. And the reality of it is Patrick's going to hear this. And it's going to be interesting with those matchups coming in next year. So I like what Antonio Pierce is doing from a coaching standpoint for the staff he's building. Um, and I can tell you this right now, man. I mean, when I look at the totality in that division, and I'm talking to Orange Nation out there in Colorado, the reality of it is I feel the way this is shaping up. And you have Harbaugh coming in, and he's getting Justin Hibbert, and Justin Hibbert ain't even reached his prime yet. It is a race between the Raiders and the Denver Broncos or who's going to find their guy first for the next 10 to 12 years. Whoever's going to get me, because whoever doesn't do that, there's a good chance they're going to be at the bottom of the cellar in that division. So they might both be in the quarterback market. Well, we know one of them for sure is going to be, speaking of Denver. The Raiders, I believe, expected they're going to release Jimmy Garoppolo. What are they going to do in the draft? What are they going to do free agency-wise? You've heard some rumors maybe about a Russell Wilson. We'll see. But I think that those are the two teams in that division. It just really comes down to to get in the fight game. Who It's the race of who's going to find their quarterback first with those two particular organizations. But Antonio Pierce, um, everything he's doing so far is batting a 1,000. Now, when there's real bullets that start flying – when the season's starting, there's real punches being thrown, and it's different when you're not the intern coach anymore. We'll see how it plays out. But he's let it be known we've got the Patrick Mahomes rule just like for the Jordan rule. And look at the platform he's doing it on to the madman Max Crosby. Very interesting. And he said it too. He said, we got to win the division first. They didn't win the division down there for seven years in a row. we got to start with the division. Whatever you got to do. You got to get together to make a we are the world record like they did back in the 80s for Live Aid. Call Michael Jackson up, Bruce Springsteen, Tina Turner, all them. Whatever you got to do to come together, there's got to be something done with it if you got pride. Nobody wants that on their watch. Because, see, the whole league and the way I look at it, the league will allow them to make history. If they win three in a row, but the blame starts in the AFC West, period. The blame falls at the head of the Los Angeles Chargers, 
the Denver Broncos, and the Las Vegas Raiders. And then you can blame everybody else. 877-37-GRIND. So do you blame the AFC East for... Oh, the Patriots. I've always, I always did. I always, I, I, I kind of, you know, it was more of not really blaming them, but more the fact of knowing that that was a key factor. I mean, the lack of resistance. And to be honest with you, I think the resistance in the AFC West has been better than even that period with the East. At least you've had the Chargers that Hibbert that's stole one from him in Arrowhead. That's kind of gone toe to toe. The Raiders kind of built Denver's a whole different story. He's been a doormat up until this past season but the reality of it is is that the east the afc east was less resistance even the west yeah i ain't by no more it's probably photo finish it ain't by that much a margin but yeah that afc east man because that lasted for damn near that was like 15 years yeah we still got about in the west we still got about seven to go do something about it before we get to that territory they sat back there and just laid down and took it for like 15 years well, damn near 20 years yeah, but I think the reason why I didn't say 20, Jonas, because I think by the time Tom got his 17th there, 16th, that was the t- Josh Allen had came along and there were some competitive battles. The Jets were kind of, I'm talking about them early runs for like 12 to 15, where it was just like, you know, no. But got to back those words up because Patrick's definitely going to hear about it. But maybe he's different, man. I don't even think you can see Jordan on the court with confetti coming down. Say, hey, you know what, man? Next year, we got to do this again. I have never seen that from an athlete in the in the heat of the moment, right after winning a championship, really be thinking it on the field with the wifey right there. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great bold and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports crime. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. 
Today's show was presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. And we've been broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this last segment of the day is going to be sponsored by Zing Zing. Two words, Akita, any perfect con- uh, cocktail. That is Zing Zing. Make sure you try out all their pre-made alcoholic drinks. They come in different flavors. Also, they have the new Michelada mix as well, too. Make sure you try that out. But whatever you do, make sure you always Zing Zing responsibly. That is Zing Zing, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. Um, okay, so as we get into um, the last few, or the last segment of the show, um, let me get into some topics that we kind of had that I don't want to run out of time on. But before we do that, Black History Fact of the Day. Okay, our second one of this month, which as Chris said, he's reporting me to the NAACP. But what Black History Fact do you have for us today, Mr. Clark? Well, it was President's Week, or President's mm-hmm. Day week, rather. And you talk about birthdays in uh, in February, Frederick Douglass. You know, of course, everybody mm. associates uh, Abraham Lincoln's birthday with President's Day and, and Black History Month and why it was selected, which is definitely, it was a nod to Abe Lincoln, but Frederick Douglass. Uh, did you know that Frederick Douglass was one of the, one of the uh, first ever rep- um, black or African-American um, presidential candidates. He was never officially on the ballot, but he was written in, in I think, 1857. Did not know that. And uh, he, February is not officially his birth month. He doesn't. It was never known because he was born a slave. But he selected oh. February, February 14th, um, and that's where we have it falling in right in Black History Month. Well, there's a, that's a good one. There you go. I did try, to tall it again, try it all together. So Yeah, there you go. That's a good one. That's a good one for your second one of this month. So we'll see if we can finish the... Um, I only strong. get them when you ask them. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Um, okay. So now that we've gotten the black history facts out of the month, and I know there's a lot of people like, God, can we just go on? Like, look, man, it's the shortest month in general. Um, all right. So a couple other things. So I kind of pretty much touched on everything uh, that I wanted to uh, NFL-wise today. You know, a couple weeks, like 29th through the 3rd, of course, we get to the Combine. And then I'm pretty sure over the next week or two, we're going to start hearing some trades or some moving that going on. It's like the calm before the storm. Uh, but I pretty much touched on everything that I wanted to uh, NFL-wise today. Uh, but let's transition a little bit back to basketball, okay, the NBA, as they get resuming uh, resumed tomorrow. Um, and a couple things that have taken place. Let's start with KD. Um, KD was talking, and he was talking about how, just paraphrasing uh, the topic, he was feeling that because his personality is different than some of his counterparts, and he's very quiet, and he's not out there talking all the time, and blah, 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 that he kind of gets not for his leadership, a role like he gets knocked for not being as good as leader because his personality is different from his other counterparts. Uh, that's one thing that he said um, in this, and 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 I bring that part up is because it just proves again, like I've always said, Kevin Durant is the most sensitive professional athlete of his stature in in my lifetime uh, because he just cares too much. Uh, what people think of him in regards to, and also he just pays attention too much to the talking heads 
uh, to the Skip Baylesses of the world, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, the Shannon Sharps of the world, the, you know, uh, Leglers of the world, whoever, Colin Cowherds of the world. He just, he basically just basically pays attention too much to the talking heads and the fans too on social media. That also proved that to me, which I don't really feel like discussing whether I think it's true or not. If I really feel like Kevin Durant is a leader or not, who knows? Uh, no one really sees what he does behind the behind the scenes. I think former teammates uh, would have to attest to that, whether they think he's a leader or not. But the way he attacked this uh, kind of showed a little bit of what we've all known, Ralph Trezevant, Mr. Sensitivity. Now, also, in the same type of platform and interview, he talked about how his agent and his dad wanted him to go play for the Knicks. They wanted him to sign for the Knicks. Um, and regardless, I don't even know. I didn't even see the reason why he told him that he didn't. Uh, but the reality of it is, to me, um, knowing the makeup of what we know of Kevin Durant, and if your father wanted you to now he's a grown man i mean your father can have his wishes but you still got to make your own decision but due to the fact that he was getting internal advice and pressure i don't know if pressure is the right word to use but um about going to play for the knicks and he didn't choose to and considering that he has business dealings um in new york he has a company that he's invested into in new york he went to play for brooklyn i will assume in my opinion he just what I've always said, there's just certain athletes that cannot play in New York for their major teams and no playing for Brooklyn is not the same thing as playing for the New York Knicks. And so to me, in my opinion, the reason why he didn't go play with the New York Knicks, despite whatever he says, just didn't want that smoke. He didn't want that pressure, in my opinion. And we can only go by his moves and what he has said publicly and his moves of how he's done in his career and where he's moved to and how he's done it for me to come up with that assumption. What do you got? Well, really, he, what it came around to, and he said on an interview, interview yesterday with uh, in the boardroom, um, he said the brand was cool, uh, speaking of the Brooklyn Knicks, because he had previously said the, the Knicks brand wasn't cool enough to play for. Uh, he, he walked that back a bit on Tuesday through the New York Post. Uh, he told the boardroom, boardroom interview, uh, quote, the brand was cool, but at the time, you know, I'm not looking at the cool brand outside of the game. He said, I was looking at the team, and the team was not cool, cool to play for. The team was not cool to watch. It wasn't a good team to watch. I might have embellished a little bit or lied a little bit about, like, the brand. I might have thrown the brand in there, too. So speaking on, he wasn't calling the Knicks brand itself not cool, but he said that the, the, the version of the Knicks at that time was not cool. Um, of course, the Nets were cool. Uh, they had uh, they were they were finding momentum with um, my guy Jared Allen, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. They were they were piecing. I think Nick Claxton still at that time. They were the Nets were finding their own rhythm before KD and Kyrie came in and, and blew everything up. And so that's what he was talking about. It just the Nets were the cooler team to be a part of. And I'm going to tell you that's that's hogwash because the reality of it is and why he made those comments at the time, because I remember those comments, because he was taking backlash 
uh, and because there was a fan base, whether they had their hopes up so high or whatever that they was going to be a Nick, he was getting backlash for choosing the Knicks uh, over, I mean, choosing Brooklyn over the Knicks. And to sit there in that time for him to sit there and say, oh, they're not cool. He meant that to troll back with them to be like, hey, it's cool over here, Brooklyn. You know, Jay-Z used to own a part of this team and he helped bring the Barclays and we got Jay-Z and they play, they got Biggie Night. So I'm going to play, no, nah, man, you, you, and first of all, and then this is another thing. And Kevin is another one that has, you know, wanting to you you like there's certain guys in the industry in certain industries you can tell who they idolize by their moves, you know, rap game, you know, in the early 2000s, going to 2000s, fabulous. For people that don't know, he's a rapper. He wanted to be Jay Z. You could just tell the way he moved, the way he do. In sports, you can go on. In the NBA, Kevin Durant has wanted to be LeBron. He has wanted to get the responsibility that LeBron has. And what I would tell to Kevin, and I know it's hogwashing, it's just you didn't want that smoke from the New York Post and New York Daily News and WF the fan up there, is because uh, how cool was the brand in Cleveland for LeBron to go back? How cool was the brand in Cleveland for LeBron to even drafted there? Spend that. LeBron made it. Okay, how cool is it really? We're going to find out how cool is it really to go play in Alabama when Nick Saban's not there? Okay, if you're that guy and you are a player of Kevin Durant's stature and he has the talent, the whole thing about who's cool, you go to the Knicks regardless if you're looking at the team. <coughs> Excuse me, because it showed you what you did in Brooklyn. You got some coaches fired in Brooklyn. You, you, you know, you, you made it to see who they could get or who they could get to get. You could have went to New York, and if you're that dude and you want to analyze LeBron, you make it pop. The brand automatically comes through if you go ahead and put a 35 jersey on in orange and blue. These dudes ain't fooling me, man. They ain't fooling me. Like I said, they want the control and what comes on the praises of LeBron James, but they don't want the criticism and the pressure that LeBron and other athletes that have to go through to do that. And I can spot him out a mile away, and KD's one of those cats. I, I, he's cool as hell. I think he's a good person. He's never really been in trouble off the court. But sometimes, he, you know, how do you trust a dude that gets, that's got about 300 to $400 million in the bank and creates a burner account, a fake burner account? And we're going to tell each other, don't tell me about it wasn't cool. Nah, man, you could have made it cool. You think it was cool for LeBron to go back to Cleveland? I mean, he had some unfinished business. No, but he knew he was going to make it pop there. Period. Whether that was his hometown or his home state, it doesn't matter. You know, it's just the reality of it is. Okay? How cool was it to go play for the Kansas City Chiefs before Patrick Mahomes showed up and Andy Reid showed up? Now, they've had some greats and Derek, the late great Derek Thomas and all that, but how cool was it? Okay? You have to go back to the 60s. But Patrick's made it cool. It's cool to play for the Chiefs now. That's all I'm saying, you know. So uh, Kevin is just, again, I there's not an athlete in my time that is more sensitive and have rabbit ears as much as Kevin Durant does. Um, also, sticking to basketball theme, uh, this is another one that you can't, you know, piss on me and tell me it's raining. Doc Rivers. It's going to come across like I don't like Doc Rivers or Giannis, but I do. No, you don't. I'm just reporting the news, man. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it, man. 
because these guys are just getting away with it. Some other people that don't. Doc Rivers said he questions Buck's ownership and upper management about firing Griffin when they called him up. Said he, he said that, why are y'all doing this? I don't understand this. Now, Doc has sitting there <laughs> willing to give up coaching the All-Star team and the, or give his bonus to Griffin because I told you at that time that, was, that sounds like guilt. And two, he's going to make these comments, and he was on a satellite radio show, XM doing a show interview. I told management, what are y'all doing, and why are y'all doing this? But your black ass still took the job, though. You still took the job. So what difference does it make? If you, if you were that passionate about like, hey, man, this makes no sense. This is wrong. The code that I talked about then, he broke. He intergaged and intertalked with a particular organization that had a coach in place that had one of the best records in the Eastern Conference, was sitting at the number two seat or the one seat at the time. And he says, what are y'all doing? And I don't know about this, but you took the job. That like to me, it's just but but again, I'm going to let this play out. I'm going to let the second half of the season play out. But I've told you all this. If this doesn't work out, this is Doc's last stop. This is his last night. He's going to have this, you know, this year. And I can already tell you I won't. But the media is going to go ahead and give them almost a pass this year. Because, again, like Doc has saved them from the whole Dame and Giannis. Is it working or not? But next year in the 2025 season, if, if they don't go to the NBA, if they don't get a championship, Doc's time has ran out, in my particular opinion. What do you got? To Doc's point, um, because and, I, and he goes on to say, this is through Sports Illustrated. Uh, he said in the in, in NBA radio interview, one, uh, one of the things they said in the reply as to why that you didn't why, didn't, why did they do this, was, well, it doesn't matter. We've done it now, and we want you. And so that was a tough one. That's where the hesitation came from. And remember, we had the reports that Doc Rivers was going to get the job five days, six days before he actually did it. And you said, well, it's going to be any day now. Joe Prunty had to, you know, won two games with that squad while while they were still working through this. And so you can kind of see to to that response and and how that actually played out. And if you're Doc Rivers and you're sitting there and, yes, you still want to coach – um, but they made this decision. It's already done. They can't go unfire Adrian Griffin and then walk back their decision because that just looks like a poor management really at the, at the end of the day. And so if you're Doc Rivers, it's like, okay, well, it's going to be me or it's going to be somebody else. And if I really want to get back on the bench, then, you know, that's – and that's where he says that's where the hesitation came from. He said it, it wasn't just a, yep, let me go ahead and just sign on the dotted line. Because it wasn't that simple for him to just say, uh, to come in and take it. He didn't get Adrian Griffin fired. He asked them, well, hey, why are y'all doing this? Why did you do it? Well, we already did it. Look. So what if, does it matter? If it went down like that, and that's how it went down, keep that to yourself. Because when you put that out there, evidently Docton heard some people that kind of have similar takes to mine about him. And it, this is everything he's done since he's gotten this job for well, commenting wise. Well, you know, we kind of took the job in the middle of the season. Maybe that was, you know, tougher. And, you know, some of these guys are just, you know, oh, well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give Griffin his bonus salary and I don't need to because that's not right. And then, no, stop putting this out there then because when you put it out there, it's like you're asking for sympathy. You got guilty all over you, period. 
You know, if that's how it happened, keep that to yourself. Because then why are you? Because evidently it wasn't bad enough. Because you still took the job. You could, if you really wanted, you could have told him like, "Hey, you know what? I don't understand why y'all doing it. I appreciate y'all want me, but if y'all want me, I would re let's talk after the season." He had he wasn't unemployed. He had a job. He had a push. He had a plush job at an analyst, play by play analyst, making seven figures. Yeah, but if they go on to win the title, then that opportunity is not going to be there. That's fine. I'm not telling Doc. I'm holding him accountable because, honestly, I don't think he should got as many chances that he's gotten. That's where this hole has started for for the last month, this kick I've been on. I'm just saying that if you took the opportunity to go, there's not, like I always say, there's only 32 jobs. There's only 30 of them. But reality is stop sitting here giving us these inside backstories about this and this and Griffin, and I didn't know why they were doing it. It didn't bother you that much because you took it. Because there is histories of sports where guys that have not even had the resume Doc has, or maybe even greater resume, I should say, as Doc has, and even more justified, they haven't taken positions or interviews because a coach is employed there. So it's not Calvin's rule, not radio guy telling you. I'm telling you about guys that's actually been in the fight club, in the, in the war rooms, that sit there and live by that. Hey, man, that's, that's the one written rule. Doc is snaky, man. He's snaky, and he's part of the good old boy network. I said it. Now, J.J. Reddick, his former teammate who's dipping his toes into media and makes his appearances on first take, will kind of call Doc Rivers out the other day talking about I'm tired of excuses with this guy. He has excuses, this and this or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, somebody's coming across is why I am. But here comes Patrick Beverly to the rescue. Now, keep in mind, Doc just went and grabbed Patrick Beverly not too long ago to bring on the Bucks. So Patrick Beverly and J.J. Reddick get into this war wars on Twitter, and Pat Beverly's like, wait a minute. Uh, Doc won't started you when there's nobody else in the NBA would want to start you or play you as much, and you're going to get on TV and you're going to talk to Doc like that? Now, Patrick Beverly, I have no problem with him running to the defense of Doc Rivers because, again, Doc has got him. I think when Doc was the Clippers, he took him with the Clippers. Now with the Bucks, he's at the Bucks. So Doc has made sure Patrick has filled, wanted, and got a job. So I have no problem for him going to bat and sticking up for Doc for that point. J.J. Redick, on the other hand, I think this is where guys underestimate when they run to get behind a microphone in front of a TV that have to get up there and critique players and former coaches that you've shared rooms and locker rooms with. It's not as easy as some people think. And and that's and I'm not a big fan of J.J. Redick. Uh, he comes across very condescending, a Mr. Know-it-all. He played in the NBA. I understand his time at Duke or whatever. But regardless of it is, though, um, I kind of agree with him with Doc. But on the other side, I don't have a problem with Patrick Beverly, you know, running to his aid and defense. It's like, wait a minute, man. You're going to sit up on TV? Because some of these athletes do feel that these former athletes, you know, do a 180 and change up once they get on a camera and quote unquote call themselves part of the media. Or in Draymond Green's words, the new media. Whatever that means. But they'll be back in action tomorrow. That is a wrap for today. Special thanks to the producer of the show, Jonas Clark, San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, people up in the Mile High City in Denver, Colorado, people up in Tyler, people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and my people down Laredo. When that alarm goes off tomorrow morning for you, the snooze button for you out the rack, just ask yourself, you grind in peace. Y'all tomorrow. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. 
Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and Seafood Lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 